We're going to start our sermon with a quick little history lesson, which we have done each week. The vision, the marching orders that God has given this student ministry, and if you are here this morning, you're part of that. The vision that God has given this student ministry for the year 2019 is that we will equip the students and the staff and the volunteers to desire and do God's will. Our vision, our marching orders for this whole year, we're only three months in, is that we would encourage each other and challenge each other and equip each other to desire God's will and then to do God's will, to to long for what God offers and then to walk it out. And what is God's will for us? Well, it's right here in Matthew 28. The last thing that Jesus said to us, his disciples, to us, his kids, his brothers and sisters, it is the last thing he said before ascending to heaven. So we should know, oh, this clearly is important. And what was the last thing that he said? Jesus said, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. A baptized believer of Jesus, baptism and faith are required to be a disciple, and obedience, obeying what this book says. Now, our recipe, and there are many places you can look at Scripture and really see the same things, but our recipe for how to become disciples, how to become effective disciples, comes to us from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. It says this, My beloved, who is God, had a vineyard, who is us, on a rich and fertile hill, and that is the life that God offers all day, every day to anyone who will confess their faith, I need a Savior, I need Jesus. So my beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, he cleared its stones, he planted it with the best vines, and then in the middle of it, he built a watchtower. Verb number one, action number one of being a disciple is you receive the rich and fertile hill. You receive God's invitation of, oh, I got something really good for you. That's verb action number one. Verb number two is you plow it, you protect it, you put a fence up around it. You've received something of great value, you protect it. Action number three, you remove any stumbling blocks, anything in your vineyard that would prevent good things to be planted, good things to grow, good things to bear fruit, you remove it. If I have this beautiful piece of land and there's a boulder right in the way, I'm going to yank that sucker out so I can use that earth. And then we plant in that earth. We plant Jesus in our hearts. We plant God's word in our hearts. And then after those things are done, we start to build something right in the middle of the vineyard. Specifically, we build a watchtower. And that's what today's sermon is all about. Here's a picture of my garden in my backyard, and this is after I have come at it just a couple weeks back, and it was covered in vines. It had roots that had grown up from the yard through it. There were rocks in it and covered in leaves. It was useless. There was nothing I could do with it because it was like I had neglected it, like many of us sometimes can neglect our faith or our walk with the Lord or our convictions. And so I couldn't use it. And so a couple weeks back when we started this sermon series, I went to my backyard and I got a rake and I got a shovel and I got some shears and I went to town and I cleared all this stuff out and now I have this rich parcels of earth that are ready to be planted. And 
what's that? Even as I was cleaning, I was like, oh, there's actually still some good plants in there. Like, even though I let my, my faith kind of take a turn and I ignored it for a while, there's still good things growing. And that's just as true for every one of you. When you make a mistake, there's still good stuff in you. God still loves you. God can still use you. It just might take a little work. And so I want you to just look at this picture for a moment as I read you a couple verses. And I want you to acknowledge, this is a picture of your heart. This is a picture of your spiritual life. And when we obey the Lord with these first verbs of receiving what he has to offer and then protecting it and then removing the junk that's in it to make room, we have this beautiful, rich earth that is just hungry for something to be planted. Listen to what Mark chapter 4 says. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed. Now, night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and it grows. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the, harv- uh, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 continues. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I will send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. It will prosper everywhere that I send it. So here's a picture. Show me the old garden. Here's a picture of our hearts after we've removed everything and it's ready to be planted and we plant and boom, next picture. There's the plants. All of a sudden, those empty plots are being used and producing and I've accomplished something because I've planted good things in it. Now here is a picture, again, of our hearts of our spiritual lives. And the only difference is between this picture and this picture is in this picture we've been planting something in our hearts. We've been planting God's word. Did you know when it said it grows on its own, that's God saying, if you'll just read my word and it gets inside of you, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna accomplish something. I'm going to grow something. If we just read God's word and just are willing to walk it out, things are going to grow in us. God's going to start doing stuff in and through us. All we need to do, you guys, it's so vital, is read this book a little bit every day. Plant God's word in your hearts, and he will begin a work in you, and you will literally just watch it happen. It will just unfold but you've got to just desire it and then, and then, like, just do it. It's that simple. 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, an hour a day will change everything because God promises that will change everything. You will see fruit in your life. You will see new life. You will see beautiful things spring up. You will see things that you can use to sustain yourself grow up and beyond. So simply put, 
The fact that we read God's word and it accomplishes things and produces things and grows things and prospers things, it builds. It builds things. God's word builds us up. So here's a pop quiz real quick. Can anyone tell me what the most popular toy on planet Earth is? Anybody know? What do you got? Rubik's Cube. No. Jake. Legos all day. Legos are the most popular toy on planet Earth. Here's a quote from Forbes magazine. You wouldn't really expect Forbes to write a piece on Legos, but they did. We may think of them as no more than popular children's toys, but for the past 16 years, investors have secured better returns buying Legos than from the stock market, bank accounts, or gold. Legos are more valuable than gold when it comes to investing because so many people buy them. Here's some statistics about Legos. Since 1949, 400 billion Lego bricks have been sold. Every single second, there goes one, seven Lego sets are sold. Every single year, kids... And I count myself, because I love me some Legos. Kids spend five billion hours playing with Legos. Connected one on top of each other, built one on top of each other. If you took all the Lego bricks that are in existence, you could connect Legos from planet Earth to the moon ten times. What does that tell us? It tells me that people love to build. We love building stuff. That's why it's the most popular toy on the planet. And so because God loves to build and we're made in God's image, we're going to naturally love to build. So this verb of discipleship of building should come completely naturally to you. And what is it as disciples that we're called to build? We're called to build a watchtower. Here's the definition of the word watchtower. All right. A fortified, freestanding structure whose main purpose is to provide a high, safe place from which to see and to be seen. A watchtower is a fortified, freestanding structure whose main purpose is to provide me, the guy who built it, a high, safe place from which I can see everything in my life and everybody in my life can see me. Here's a picture of a watchtower. I think this is in Arizona. It's hundreds of years old. It's been there, obviously, for a long time, longer than any of us have been around. And you can see it fulfills all the requirements. It's high. It's strong. You can see for miles. You could probably see different states from up there. And everybody in that valley and beyond can see it. And that is a representation of what we are called to build in our spiritual lives. The purpose, as I said, of having this in your life is to give you a place that you can go to at any time and feel safe. And you know you need that. The purpose of building one of these in your spiritual life is so that any moment you can fall back into this place and know, I'm strong in here. I'm safe in here. Things can't get to me in here. This is a safe place. This is a reliable place. The purpose of Having one of these in your spiritual life 
is because as you build it, you can get up high and you can see any of the enemy's schemes that are coming at you and you can recognize them because you are now above the mess that so many of us settle for living in. And all of the people in your life can clearly see that person stands on the Lord. That person stands on the word of God. All right, I could do better. Um, so how do we build it? How do we build one of these things in the spiritual life? Like, are there like some spiritual bricks? Is there some spiritual mortar? Oddly enough, yes. But to answer that question, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start with verses 1 and 2. This is the quintessential. This is the most famous passage on what faith is in the Bible. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, long for, desire. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. The people in days of old were famous for their faith. By faith, by believing God, by believing what he says, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, all things were made at God's command, that they were all made from things that can't be seen. I am up here in front of you, and you can tell I am breathing. Can you see the air that I'm breathing? No. But does that make it not real? Absolutely not. I can't breathe without it, and neither could you. I am up here right now, and thanks to gravity, I am not just floating off into the ceiling like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Can you see the gravity that's holding us all in place? No. But that doesn't make it any less real. We build things in the spiritual life. We plant them. We receive them. We protect them. You can't see them, but that does not make them any less real. We build our watchtower by faith, which means every single time that you listen to what your pastor says, every single time you read and understand what this book says and then do it by faith, it is like setting another stone, adding another layer, adding another floor to the watchtower of your faith. And then it gives us all these awesome examples, which are too many to read right now, but I'll give you four. Hebrews 11.4, it was by faith that Abel obeyed God and brought an offering that pleased God. Abel believed what God said and he obeyed it. Or, another way you could put that, Abel desired to please the Lord and so he did something about it. Desire, do. 11.8 says, Abraham trusted God had faith in God, believed God. And when God told Abraham to leave home, to go far away to another land, that he promised to give Abraham, Abraham obeyed. Away he went, not even knowing where he was going. You guys, do you have faith like that? Do I? That if God in a dream showed up to you tonight and said, move to Arizona, would you just get up and go? It's, it's daunting, but you should think about it, because Abraham did, and do you know because Abraham did that we are sitting here today? Do you know that this man was considered the father of our faith? Because all he did was, was hear something, and he did it. He desired to please the thing, and he put it in action. Verse 11, oh, I missed one. Verse 7, 
Noah, you remember that guy, believed God, had faith in God, trusted God, even though there was no sign of a flood and wasting no time, he built the ark. Noah, had he not built the ark, the story would have been over. Humanity would be gone. None of us would be sitting here because Noah believed God who said, build a boat out of some gopher wood and collect all the animals except for the unicorns and we're going to do the thing. Because Noah believed and then put some feet on his faith, we are all here. And what I love about his example is it says that when God said to do it, Noah had no evidence. I mean, rain didn't exist before Noah. It started in Noah's time. Look it up. And it said he wasted no time to obey. He wasted no time to give everything he had to build this monster ship that we can barely get our minds around. Noah believed what he heard, and he obeyed it. He desired more of what he heard, and so he did something about it. And when I think of wasting no time this morning, I think of Maddie Arnold on Wednesday night, who's sitting after small groups with her leaders, just felt convicted by the Lord. I want you to get baptized tonight. And she did not say, I'm going to wait for Sunday. She did not say, I'm going to think about it overnight. She said, let's go in the dark right now. And she did. And that's faith. And you should woo for that. Because that's the kind of faith that God has made available to all of us. When you feel convicted, when you read and know, yes, don't wait, act. Last example, because we want to represent the ladies. Sarah, too, had faith. And because of this, she was able to become a mother in spite of her old age. She was like 100 or 90. For she realized, why did she get pregnant at 90? How did she get pregnant at 90? She realized that God who gave her his promise, would certainly do what he said. When you read promises in the Bible, you can count on them. You can take them to the bank. You can build on them because God will certainly do what he says. When you feel convicted in church, when you feel convicted in reading the word, you can do it and have confidence he will keep his end of the bargain. A great example is tithe. Bringing offerings of tithe. In the Bible, God says, don't test me. But you know what? When it comes to bringing the tithe, test me all you want. You test me and bring a dollar this week and see if I don't bless you with two in some way, shape, or form. You test me and give me your first fruits and you don't wait and see if I don't bless you in return. I love that when it comes to money and stuff, these things that God knows we really falsely depend on, that he says, test me. See if I'm not reliable, more reliable than that piece of plastic in your pocket and that folded paper in your wallet. We build our watchtower every single time that, by faith, we pray for ourselves or somebody. Do you pray? Good. Because every time you do, picture yourself adding a stone. Every single time that you confess sin by faith, and then especially if you, like, stop doing the sin after the fact, you are building your faith. Every single time you resist temptation, just because you know, it feels good, but I, God said no. And you know it might feel good for a second, but you know that for hours and days, maybe years after, it does not. Every single time that you forgive somebody, 
but especially when they don't deserve it, especially if they don't even ask for it, especially if you're like, I don't want to, but you forgive them because he forgave you. Everything you have ever done, every time you forgive by faith that, you know what, it's better to forgive. You build your watchtower. Every time you obey this word, every time you just serve or love people, just because God said you're building that watchtower and you're getting stronger and you're seeing fruit and good things are happening in you and around you. Every time that we do anything in this life that declares by, by word or by deed, anytime we declare God is God and I am not, I tithe because he said to, not because I even want to. I tithe, uh, or I uh, forgave that person not because I felt like it, but because he said so. Every time we do something like that, we gain confidence, we grow stronger, and we gain a story. We get an experience. If you've been set free from, like me, alcoholism, I have a testimony about alcoholism now. If you confess your sin and your brother who hated you said, I forgive you, boom, you got a story to share. We gain the privilege of getting to stand up and say, I've got something to say. He's real, and here's how I know it. I want to show you a picture of what just obedience, of what a spiritual experience looks like, of what kind of stories that God wants to give you. And so we got a clip for you to check out real fast. What was that? What was that? That voice just now. What was it? We didn't hear anything. All right. You must have heard that. Sorry. Hey, come on into dinner. Let's go, Pumpkin. What's the name of that movie? Field of Dreams. Who's seen it? Watch it this afternoon if you haven't seen it. Great movie. Great American movie. Famous for several monologues. Um, one of which we'll hear in just a moment. That movie's called Field of Dreams, and it begins with a farmer and a field. Very appropriate for our sermons today. 
And that farmer, while in his field, hears a voice. And the voice makes a promise to him. If you build it, he will come. And that brief supernatural encounter experience launches this farmer on a life-changing adventure. He heard the voice, he believed the voice, and he obeyed the voice. And he starts to build a thing. And it requires him to take this rich, fertile land and then remove a third of what was already there. He removes a third of his crop, which for him, the farmer, means he removed a third of his livelihood. He removed a third of everything he had that was going to support his family, that was going to feed his family. He just ripped it out because he believed and he obeyed. He removed it, and in its place, he builds a baseball field. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Just builds this professional grade, big lights, baseball field. Uses all of his money. Uses all of his savings. But not only did he do these things, but everyone he knew saw him do it. He walked this out in front of everyone. Everyone knew, man, Frank's hearing voices in his corn. Frank's tearing down his field. Frank's building a baseball diamond and his family's going to starve next winter because he just ripped up all of his corn. They're talking about him. They're looking at him. And they're thinking, you're crazy. Cuckoo. Um, Sorry for a second there. I forgot you were students and was thinking of my four-month-old. But his friends see him, hear this voice and obey it. His neighbors see him, hear this voice and obey it. His banker sees him hear a voice, and obey it. And everybody thinks he's bananas. They think he's crazy. And that's when the crazy stuff starts to happen because out of the remainder of his corn one day, these long-dead baseball players start coming out of his field. These famous baseball players that have been dead for years, their ghosts materialize and show up And they start playing catch on his baseball field. And then more show up. And so they start having like little mini scrimmages. And then more show up and they start having these exhibition games with guys like Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Shoeless Joe Jackson. All these guys that like when baseball in its golden age were like it. They were the guys. These guys are showing up in his corn playing ball. What I love is what this represents, the idea of turning your life upside down, all because a voice says, if you build it, somebody's going to come. It's a crazy idea. It's a little bit of a stupid idea. It's a little bit of a ridiculous idea. And yet, can I just tell you from the bottom of my heart that God is saying those exact words to every single one of us in this room today? If you build your faith, people will come. If you build your faith, people will come to you. If you obey God's voice, miracles will happen in your life. Why? Because God says so. He says so all day, every day. He says, trust me. Believe in me, obey me, just give me a little bit of room in your life to move, and I will give you supernatural experiences that will build your faith, strengthen your walk, 
increase your peace and grow your confidence. The only thing that any of us have to do in light of all these promises is to decide today, to choose today, to live in fear or to live by faith. Johnny, show me my next clip. All right, all right, all right, this is fascinating, it is. But the fact remains is that you don't have the money to bring the mortgage up to date, so you're still gonna have to sell. I'm sorry, Ray. We got no choice. Ray, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door, as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is money they have, and peace they like. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. Sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that I'll have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Ray, you will lose everything. You will be evicted. here all day every single day you guys has a decision to make an opportunity that God puts before us all day every day will we be a people who listen to the Lord will we be a people who obey him who go out of our way to build our faith by obeying him who are willing to do the very next thing that God says as soon as he says it Make no mistake that obeying the Lord is easy in here. It's easy to write out your prayers as you're going to do in just a moment and to bring them up and drop them off. 
It is easy to respond by faith and take communion, trusting it's more than juice and crackers. It is easy to sing to the Lord and let him wash over you and love you in this room. It is much more difficult out there. But out there, going out there is the most important thing. It is what Jesus said to do. Go and make. And making doesn't just happen in here. The harvest is out there. Obeying God in a broken world will cost us something. It has cost me many things. It has cost many of you much, but it is worth it. It will be scary at times, but it is worth it because we are not living for this world and what it has to offer, but the next one to come. We have to remember that God promised us. When we are challenged with a step of faith, he promised that if we take that step, he will produce, he will accomplish good, he will prosper us, he will grow us, and people will come. He will bring them. He will use us to draw them to himself. I'm going to rip off this famous monologue and just kind of repurpose it for our sermon here. I'm going to rephrase what James Earl was talking about because life is about a lot more than baseball. And people love this movie not because it's about baseball, but because it's about faith. And here's what this says. Oh, they will come. They'll come for reasons that they can't even fathom. People will turn into our driveways. They'll walk across our yards and they won't even know for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at our doors as innocent as children longing for the past. Of course, you can ask me about God, we will say. And they will come in with us without even thinking about it. For it is problems that they have. And it is peace, the peace of Jesus that they lack. And we will sit together and we will talk about him and we will talk about the Bible, and we will talk about the heroes of our faith, and they will watch, and they will listen, and it will be as though they had dipped themselves in magic waters. And the proof of God's love in our lives will be so thick that they will have to brush it away from their faces. If we build our faith, people will come. The one constant through all the years, has been God's love. The dream that was America, that was stuff, that was privilege, that was materialism, has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again, but God's love has marked the time. This story, the saving grace of Jesus Christ, is part of us, and it reminds us all of what is good and what will be good again. If you build your faith, if you read and obey this word, people will come. True disciples, you guys, are not satisfied with just being saved. That's all you need is to be saved, but we're not satisfied with that because God made us builders. True disciples continue Keep building their faith. I want to close with a quick series of visuals of what it looks like to build our faith, 
to build that watchtower. Johnny, show me picture number one. Here's a lean-to in the woods. I would totally camp there. This is a pretty sweet setup right here. How do we get that in the spiritual life? How is this the beginning of our watchtower? Well, first you recognize that you need shelter. You need a savior. And then you confess, um, I, I, I need this. You say it out loud, and I don't care if nobody's around. You can say it to the squirrels, but ideally you say it to friends and family. And the first step of obedience in declaring that faith is you get baptized. Recognize you need a Savior. Boom, some sticks go up. Confess that you're powerless without him. Boom, a covering goes up. And then get baptized. Bam, I got the beginnings of a watchtower. And that's a sweet little spread right there. But why would you stop there? Why would you settle for just that when this is available? Next picture, Johnny. Oh, I would spend a week there, no problem. This actually does look a lot like where you guys will go to Colorado. Um, so now we've moved from the lean to this really sweet log cabin. Well, what does that look like? Well, I've recognized I need a Savior. I've been baptized. Now I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start reading my Bible, and I'm going to start getting serious about my sin, my bad behaviors. I'm going to, like, do something about them. I'm going to change the way that I think and the way that I live. Um, I'm going to start serving in church. I'm going to be on the worship team. I'm going to join the tech team. I'm going to be on the greeting team. We start to walk out our faith, and then boom, log after log, and we got some windows, a nice roof. It's on this rich and fertile hill, and you can see, and people can see you, but why would you stop there? This isn't the end-all, be-all of what God has. Show me my next picture, Johnny. Oh, I want to go to there, right? What does it look like to build that in your life, to have a spiritual house like that? Well, now, I'm not just reading the Bible. I'm obeying it, like with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, I'm praying regularly, and I'm seeing answers to prayer. Uh, I'm not just serving inside the church, but I am taking my faith, and I'm going outside the church, and I'm declaring Jesus is real. This is what he did for me. He'll do the same for you. And boom, we got some stucco. We got some mortar. We got, like, fences. We got a pool. We got multiple stories. We are talking, that's a sweet watchtower. That's a sweet spiritual house. But why would you stop there? Don't we serve the God of miracles? Don't we serve the God of more? Next picture. That could be any single one of you in this room. That could be your spiritual house. That could be your watchtower. And all it requires is that first step of faith. I need a savior. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go and obey it. What else does it involve? It means that you don't just read it. You don't just obey it. You live it. You bleed it. Everything you do, just Jesus and love and grace oozes out of you. A house like this requires a willingness to suffer for the gospel. A house like this says, I don't just pray, but I see regular answers to prayer. And when I do, I tell people about them. I, that's, I don't put pictures of myself on social media. I put pictures of what God did in my life on social media. And when you build a house like that, people see it, people desire it, and people will come and say, how'd you do this? Aren't you, aren't you the kid that just last year was telling me you struggled like this and you felt like, how did you experience such a transformation? And you will get to tell them, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I listened and I tried and look what he did. A word of prophecy that was spoken over this room, this student ministry three years ago. Something is going to happen at Wood's Edge that's going to spread around the world. 
That was a, a word spoken, a word heard by a human from the Lord, and they spoke it over us, over this room, over this student ministry. Something is going to happen here that is going to spread around the whole world. Here's a question for every one of us in this room. What would happen today if the 300-odd students that have listened to this sermon this morning would decide before they leave this room and ask God to help them, I'm going to read the Bible every day this year. For the rest of 2019, I'm going to find 10 minutes. I'm going to find an hour to read the Word. What if 300 of us decided to get serious and chose, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to do what it says? Not perfectly, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try. I'm going to get serious about my faith, but I'm also going to have some fun with it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm not going to treat it like, like it's this like super holy thing that you have to speak about with all this. Like I'm going to have fun with my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask God to give me a story. That's a fun request. Well, I will show you a picture of what will happen if we will Listen to God and do what he says. I will show you a visual of the fact that he will keep his end up and people will come. Check out this last clip. guys will read the word and try to obey the word this year, people will come. God will bring them right to you. I have a wonderful story about him doing exactly that that I'm going to tell you next week, but it will happen. So let's take a step of faith. Let's add another stone to our watchtower and let's just pray. God said pray, ask and you will receive, so let's, let's do that right now. Grab your prayer tags and a pen, and I'm going to give you three things to pray about real fast. But know that as you write this out, you're not just writing words for us to read later and be like, oh, that's sweet. You are talking to Jesus. You are talking to God, and you are asking him to do something. So you better be ready for him to respond and keep up his end of the bargain. Why don't you write just a personal prayer to the Lord right now, and just in your own words, just ask him, would you please Please, I've prayed this before. Um, please, I've tried this before. Please, I'm doing it, but I want to do better. Will you please help me read your word? Would you please help me carve out time in my day to spend time in the Bible? And if you've asked that before, maybe you need to ask a more specific question like, what book do you want me to read in the Bible? What chapter? Where do you want me to spend time tomorrow morning? And man, if you're just hearing right now, like Psalm 17, like, Write that down and spend some time there. Don't wait, but just ask the Lord, help me 
Spend time in your word. He loves that question. So ask it by faith. And as you wrap that one up, tag it, add on to it, and write, Lord, would you help me obey what the Bible says? If I'm reading a passage about abstaining from sin, about being pure, like, help me do it. Confess to him. I can't do it on my own. Help me do it. He loves prayers like that. I can't, you can. You're God, I'm not. Help me do. I've got the desire. Now help me do it. Ask God to bless your obedience this week, this year. Last question. Would you be so bold knowing what it could cost you Would you be bold and write a prayer by faith with expectation that he's going to hear it and respond? Would you ask God to give you a story this spring? Give me a story. Give me an experience. Give me a supernatural thing that I can share, that I can walk through, that I can grow in, that will increase my faith. Give me something real so I can look at it and rely on it for the rest of my life and say, that's when God showed up for me. Ask God to give you a story to share that you can stand on and be seen and know that he is like right on your shoulder watching every word saying, I have been waiting for you to ask. I have been waiting to bless you, to free you, to encourage you. As you wrap up those prayers, I'm going to pray for us and you can respond as you feel led when you're done. Lord, thank you that you are the God of adventures, that you are the God that speaks to us through burning bushes, through nature, through messages, through the Bible all day long. You are evident. You are everywhere. Would you please help us listen? Would you please help us obey? Would you give us the desire and help us do your will? We have tried our way. We have tried the world's way. It does not measure up. Help us build our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.